Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, we are about to wrap up our With series next Sunday. And there are, this With series is all about relationships, as you might know already. We're talking about relationships with one another, with our friends, with our family, with our coworkers, that God has a big expectation and, and, and designed us to need relationships with each other and with Him. And it's really hit uh, a lot of people in the right season. That I've heard a lot of great feedback about this series uh, that we were already planning on doing a Bible book series next on the book of Ruth. And so we decided, let's go ahead and carry in the, the, the theme of relationships into Ruth and talk about God's plan for our love relationships. It is February, it's Valentine's weekend, so it, it fits perfectly. So that's what we're going to do in our next series called Happily Even After. And so we're going to follow along with a couple that you just saw, Stephen and Miranda, and uh, a little bit into their, their dating relationship, and now they're even, even engaged. Uh, and we have some pretty fun videos there for you. We're going to be showing you the next few weeks. Uh, but also we decided we really want to invite as many people to experience this series with us. Because like our With series, every one of us, knows that, we could, that wherever we're at in our love life, in our love relationships, that God expects and has a, has a plan for those. And so we want to look into God's Word and see, you know, it's not always, when we talk about for better, for worse, it's not always better. Sometimes there is worse. Sometimes there is tragedy. Sometimes there's not even a, it, it's not even a marriage right now. It's, just, it's, it's how do I live as a single person for God in this, in this, in this stage? So we're going to look at all those different components using the book of Ruth to drive us. So to invite as many people to the, to the series as much as, as possible, we have developed some Valentines. You remember back in elementary school and you would have the little brown bag and you would maybe get some construction paper and cr- cut out some hearts and you'd put it on your desk and have the kids all walk around and they'd put little Valentines in your in your paper bag. Well, my boys just got their Valentines from the store and they bought some Star Wars ones because nothing says I love you like Darth Vader. <laughs> don't quite get that. But we designed some Valentines that you can use as just a fun way to invite a friend. Uh, and guys, we even did things like, we, we were like, okay, we're guys. We're not going to want to give a Valentine, right, to guys. So we're like, what, how, what kind of Valentine would we be comfortable walking up to a, one of our buddies that, you know, going, hey, we're having this fun thing. And we're going to, so we, we designed one with a lumberjack on it. And it says, I saw you and I had to ax you to be my Valentine. And then on the back, it says, would, would you join me at North Terrace to learn about God's plan for your love life. And then it talks about the, the different series topics down below. And so we have these available in the foyer if you want to grab. We have four different ones you can use and find which one you want to use. But also, an easier way to do it, for those of you who are in more of the, the Facebook age, uh, you can go on to Facebook, and I'm going to log in here, show you how it's done. i to fire up the computer here. There it is. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to go to the North Terrace Facebook page. There it is. The With series is up there ready for you. And then over here, it says, invite someone to join us for our upcoming series, Happily Even After. And it says, on love and relationships by sharing one of these e-Valentines with them. So you you can go down here and see which one you want to send. And I've invited my wife the first two services, so she's already coming. But I do like that lumberjack one, and and I'm going to invite a guy. 
So I'm going to go over here, and, I'm, and I, I already saw him here today. So what I'm going to do is this, is I'm going to go down here and see that it says share down here at the bottom, right here, boom, boom, boom. Uh, and I'm going to share this, and I'm going to put, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, share on your own timeline, you can, or you can share on a friend's timeline. So uh, this time I'm going to invite my buddy Dusty, who's sitting over there, and he's totally embarrassed right now that I'm doing this. And so, and Dusty, and you, you are coming... Uh, I can't spell. Come into uh, NT's uh, series next. I've invited you. Boom. All right. There you go. And then you go down here and you put post, and you have just invited Dusty Jenkins to that series. So welcome. All right. You're welcome. So there you go. So that's how you do it. It's as simple as that, and you can invite people to come with you, and then afterwards take them to lunch or whatever. But we got to talk about what God's put on our heart to talk about today, and I really do think that every single one of us, this will hit a mark at some point in your life for you here today, because we're in this series called relationship, on relationships called With, because God has designed in us, in us, to, to have a relationship with him and with one another, with others. Last week, we even talked about what happens when we are in conflict with one another. How, do we, how does God want us to deal with that? And today, we're going to talk about the times when we are with no one, when we are lonely, when it doesn't seem like there's anyone else with us. So watch this video.
Well, I, I like that movie quite a bit. It's about a guy who was stranded on a deserted island with no one. For years, no one in, except a, a volleyball. Which, if you've never seen that movie, you just watched that and was like, what in the world would I just see? I mean, Tom Hanks is a great actor, but only not many actors can actually pull off a relationship on screen, thinking that this, this volleyball is a friend and, and giving it a personality that when things happen to Wilson, the volleyball, you're, you're kind of like, you're, your heart kind of hurts for it. And you, he's, when he doesn't, can't find it, you, you know, you're like, what? This is, this is awful. And this is the only friend and you're feeling this. And, but if you have seen this, you know that this is not about a guy who is a few fries short of his happy meal, but who has gone crazy. But this is about a guy who is human. He's not crazy, he's human. We talked about this in week one, that God has designed in us the desire to be with others. Because here's what's true. You don't have to be stranded on a deserted island to feel alone. You can sometimes be in a crowded room surrounded by people and feel utterly alone. And some of you maybe even in marriages, or sleeping in the same bed with someone that you don't feel connected with and can feel alone. Research from the University of Chicago tells us that having no one can be as bad for us as it feels. That loneliness can cause an increase in stress, in our blood pressure, in sleep deprivation. People suffering from chronic loneliness have, in, have increased depression or risk of suicide. And if all that isn't bad enough, doctors even admit to us that they can provide better and more complete care to patients who have supported families and friends than those who have no one. And no matter how good your relationships are, nobody is immune to loneliness. That we all have times when it feels like there's no one around, no one who understands, no one who really cares. There is going to be a time in your life or times in your life when you feel like you are on that deserted island with no one to talk to, not even a volleyball. There's a guy in the Bible by the name of David. You might know him from his earlier work in David and Goliath. But David was one day anointed by God to be the next king of Israel. He wasn't king yet, though. King Saul was actually the king. And David was nothing but loyal to Saul. But Saul became increasingly jealous of David. His, his fame was growing, his popularity. Everybody knew David. Wanted, couldn't, were looking forward to him being king. And Saul became jealous and decided he was going to have David killed. So David heard about this and he ran. He, he, he took 600 of his fighting men and they left. They ran for their lives and they went to the Philistines and arch enemies, the arch enemies of the Israelites, and looked for asylum there in the Philistines' land. And, the, and Achish was the king of the Philistines. He knew about this trouble that David was having with, with Saul, granted him asylum, and gave him a town to live in called Ziklag. And if you've ever been to Ikea, Ziklag sounds like a piece of furniture you would get from Ikea. All right? But they're living in Ziklag, and David and his men are on maneuvers 
uh, out, out, out and about, and they come back and they find that the town has been ransacked, it has been burned to the ground, and their, their wives and their children have been kidnapped. I mean, things are going from, from, from bad to worse quickly. David and his men, they're utterly devastated. They, the, 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 the men, they began to take their grief and their, their mourning and turn it into blame towards David. They began to say things like, if it wasn't for David, we would never be in this situation. Our wives and children would be with us. I mean, David's not even the king yet. And it's looking like if things keep going down this path, he's never going to be king. So they start talking about killing David. I mean, David, he, he's been exiled from his home country. His wife and his kids have been abducted. His men who are there to protect him are now turning against him. For David, this is the all-time relational low. He's in a relational plane crash. It's not his fault. It's not fair. But he might as well be on a deserted island because he is with no one. And the story is important for us because we all have been in those times where we need somebody but we have nobody. And whether you're in that situation now or will be in the future, we're all going to be in that time. We need to know what, what, do, you, what do we do? What did David do? Well, in the, in the small little text in 1 Samuel chapter 30 that takes place right after all of what I just told you is going on. There's this little verse that if you're just kind of reading through it, you might even not even notice it. But it struck me that even in this middle of this relational nightmare that David is in, when nobody is around him, when everybody's against him, it says this little, little, little verse that says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Your translation of the Bible might even say he strengthened himself in the Lord. How? How did he do that? What does that look like? Well, David, this is the same David that we find here in 1 Samuel. It's the same David who wrote half of the Psalms in the book of Psalms. I mean, you've been to Psalms. If you open your Bible, if you go right there in the middle, you pretty much find yourself either near or at the book of Psalms. It's a big, big book full of songs. It's like, it's like we have access to David's personal prayer journal to God. And, and I gotta, he gets really raw. He gets really real with God. He doesn't hold anything back. Sometimes you're reading it going, can you say that to God and get away with it? That this is a man who God says, David is a man after God's own heart. And there's some, there's some battles in David as he, as he opens up in Psalms. I think when we look at some of the different Psalms in, 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 in there, that we're going to see how David did exactly what we talked about, encouraged himself when he had no one in the Lord. Psalm 139, David says to God, he writes this down, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? 
If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I go to the depths, you're there. If I go to the ends of the earth, if I go across the sea, you're there. And you might go, yeah, 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 okay, I I know this. I've heard this before. God is like everywhere, right? He, He spoke things into existence. He exists everywhere in every nook and cranny of the universe. There's no escaping God because he's everywhere. It's called omnipresence. And I grew up and I've, I learned this and it's something that I, I've kind of locked in my brain that I know this. But I had a professor in Bible college who, who said, you know, when it talks about the omnipresence of God, the Bible, it's not focusing on the fact that God just exists everywhere so you can't escape him, that he's everywhere. He said what it focuses on is God is everywhere, wherever you go, wherever you go, God is everywhere because he chooses to go with you. That's different, isn't it? There's a big difference between just existing in a space and choosing to be with you, to be there with you. It's a difference between a cat and a dog. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an animal guy. I love animals. I pick on cats a lot. I pick on cat owners a lot. But frankly, I don't mind cats. I just don't want one in my house. I've had one in my house. I had to marry my wife. I had to have a cat to order to marry my wife. So it was a, it was a no-brainer. I'm going to marry my wife. This cat's going to be welcome in my house. Now, our cat was cool because it was more like a dog than it was a cat. It was fat. All it did was lay around and do nothing. All right? So as long as you're out of, them, out of my mind. But cats, if you call a cat to you, kitty, come here, it's going to shoot you a look like you want me to do what? Right? It just exists in the same space that you do. Right? Dogs are different. Dogs choose to be with you all the time. They don't want to leave your side. Our dog, Jeter, who no longer with us, let's have a moment, they, he... He would always go wherever we went. If we went for a long run, he wanted to come. He was my my running buddy. If we would go to the beach, he'd want to come. If we were going to go on a road trip from Florida to Indiana, where he had to be crammed into the back of our van for 18 hours without without much room. He's a 100-pound dog living in this little area back here. He's in because he was content with just being with us. He chose time and time again, I want to be with you. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. Oh, i got to show you this one picture of, the, of our cat. This is on our long road trip. Oh, that's a great pic. I love it. That's, that was back in the days of Fat Matt, too, uh, and our fat cat. So that's, that's exactly when it was, um, when we were moving down to Florida. So our cat's no longer with us either. Uh, David encouraged himself in the Lord by focusing on that even when no one else was around. God chooses to be with us. And I want you to hear that. God is not just with you because he exists in the space where you are. You're at your house. He's there. He's he's everywhere. God chooses. He says to you, "I, I choose to be with you. I want to be with you. It's a huge difference. Psalm 139, David writes, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered They outnumber the grains of sand. You ever try to count sand? When I wake up, you're still with me. 
do you see that God is so crazy about you that he thinks about you all the time, that when you were asleep last night, he thought about you a million times, and when you woke up this morning, he was still thinking about you. David encouraged himself in the Lord in that he knew that God was with him, chooses to be with him, that he thinks about him. David also encouraged himself in the Lord by being a person who poured his heart out to God. Psalm is just full of this. He writes in 142, With my voice I cry out to the Lord. With my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him, and I tell my trouble before him. There's a movie that came out several years ago that Robert Duvall, he was actually up for a Best Actor Award for the, for the Oscars for his role in playing this Southern evangelist by the name of Sonny. The movie is called The Apostle. Maybe you saw it. Uh, it in it, he was this incredibly flawed, very messed up individual. But one thing he got right. He knew how to pour his heart out to God. I remember one scene where he's in his house, and he's kind of pacing back and forth. And he's like, God, I don't know what you want me to do. And I, you know I love you, but I am mad at you. And I'm like, I- I've been there. <laughs> I've been there. God says to us, I can handle your complaints. You know, most of our prayers, I think, when we pray, are like when we drive up to the fast food voice box, and we're talking to that voice, and we're, we're, we're placing our order, telling him what we want to eat. That's how we treat our prayers with God. We keep them really short. Here's God. I'm placing my order instead of pouring out my heart to you, God. But David, man, he, he knew how to encourage himself in the Lord because he, he was very real with God. Psalm 13, he says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemies triumph over me? Look on me. Answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. Can you hear the brutal honesty that David writes in those words? And yet sometimes I think that we kind of pull our punches and we go, I can't really say this to God because I'll offend him. And and God looks into your heart and goes, I know what's already there. Why are you putting on this veneer, this fake personality with me instead of saying, I know what you're going through. You can complain. You You can be angry. You can be real with me. Isn't that what a relationship is? There's a book called Walking with God, and John Eldridge is the author. He writes this very honest section in his his book. He says, for years now, I lived with the fear that at some point everyone is going to leave and I will be left alone. For no reason I can say and no way I can prevent, I'm going to wind up alone. Can't explain why but I know it will be my fault. It lingers there, down under the surface, like a chronic backache or a low-grade fever. So I get to the point where I finally park my car and simply let the tears come. Allow the memories to take me to the place in my heart that was pierced by the loss of those I've loved. 
And Jesus sat beside me and said, None of this is your fault. And down the Spirit went to speak the words that break these lies. And something in my heart came free that night. That when you're with no one, when no one knows, no one cares, no one understands, there is someone there who's closer than a brother. Psalm 62, 8 says, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. That's how David encouraged himself in the Lord when he felt like he had nobody. And you can too. Watch what happens next in Psalm 13. This is right after David pours out his heart to God, where he's complaining to God. He switches. It says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. He goes from, God, you've forgotten me. You, 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 where are you? To, for you have been good to me. David didn't just pour out his complaints to God, but he intentionally brought to mind those times in his life where God has come through time and time again. You know, when we're hurting, when, we're, when we feel alone, the natural tendency is to forget the faithfulness of God, isn't it? In those times where our world is rocked, when our relational plane crashes happen, we, we, we quickly go, God, where are you? I don't remember anything that you've done in my past. All I can focus is on the here and now. It's what David's ancestors did. When they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years, God freed them from slavery and took them to a new land, a promised land that he gave them. And on the journey, think about all the miracles, the amazing things God did for them. The the ten plagues while they were in Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, their protection from the Egyptian armies the guiding and leading by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of cloud or pillar of fire by night the the manna and the quail every day to sustain their physical needs the water from the rock all these different things and you would see the people be gracious and, grat- and grateful for a moment but then the very next day they're going god that was yesterday what have you done for me lately so ungrateful but that same tendency is in me And how quickly I forget. When God has brought me through so many times and then something else comes up and I'm going, God, where are you? Why have you forgotten me? And I focus on the here and the now and I forget the faithfulness of God. I forget when Janie and I were getting on an airplane and the heaviness of the world was on me because we were about to fly to Taiwan, and our adoption paperwork in Taiwan was done. It was approved. We could go to Taiwan and, and chase our firstborn. Our first son was going to be our son. They, 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 they saw that as true. He was approved. But in the U.S., he was not. The government had not approved us. And so the, la- the days leading up to that airplane ride, I was on the phone time and time again, trying to get some movement going. But every time they'd answer and they'd say, I'm sorry, sir, we have no, we have no idea when this, is going to, when this is going to be approved. It could be days, it could be weeks, it could be months. But it was time for us to go to take this flight. And so we got on the plane. 
When we landed in Taiwan, in the city of Taipei, we got to the airport, and we met Chase for the very first time there at the airport. And there was Ted, the leader of the orphanage, the, the, the director of the Home of God's Love. And we were off to the orphanage, and we didn't know, like, how long are we going to be here? We have no idea. On the way to the orphanage, Ted gets a phone call. And he answers, and I hear him going, uh-huh, yeah, okay, well, thank you. And he turns around, and he goes, guess what? Your paperwork in the U.S. has just been approved. And I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. You had to get me here, God, in Taiwan, just meeting Chase. And then you drop the news. And your timing, you're never late. You're never late. I forget how quickly I forget about January 2013 when my job at World Orphans was coming to a close for seven years. Basically how I got a paycheck is I raised it through, through other churches, through people that I knew who loved us, who believed in us, who sent us to start churches in Miami to be a part of an orphan care ministry uh, called World Orphans. But God was leading us back into to a church leadership position. I didn't know where. I didn't know, didn't know where. Our, our house, our rental uh, lease was up, so we had to get out of the house. So we put all of our belongings into a storage unit in Orlando. And I remember watching the movers putting our stuff away and shutting the doors. And I sat there going... I don't know when I'm going to see this stuff again. It's not like I'm tied to this stuff, but it was the hardest part was watching these guys take our, the, my boys' bikes, and they love their bikes, and store them away and close the doors. Because that's a dad. I mean, you want your boys, you need to provide for them. You want them to, you, know, you, want, you want them to have the things that they want, right? And, and to see that happen and going, God, I don't know when I'm going to see these things again or where you're going to take us. And then came this crazy church up in Zanesville, Ohio, that God was just preparing us for. And now my boys have their bikes and are tearing up the asphalt and sidewalks of Zanesville, Ohio. And God is just crazy like that. And how quickly I forget what God has done when those tough times come in my life. And I go, God, have you forgotten me? I think, you know what I think every one of us needs? I think we all need a list of those times so that when we do feel like our, all of our relationships are falling apart and we just don't have anyone with us, that we can go back and go, oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, God, you were there then and you're here now. You were there then and you're here now and I trust you. And you know, I'll say this, those times when we don't know what God is doing and he is, we just are in that trust mode, there's no better place to be. Because God is refining us. He's allowing us to go through that fire. And the, 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 the goal is to help us become like Christ. That's always the goal. We need that list, every one of us. And David was able to encourage himself in the Lord, even when he had no one, because he learned how to be alone with God. He writes in Psalm 62, Find rest, my soul. In God alone, my hope comes from him. 
And that's true. Your hope doesn't come from that situation. You hope it's going to work out the way it's going to work out. Your hope doesn't come from your significant other. other. Your, your hope doesn't come from yourself. Your hope doesn't come from your job. Your hope doesn't come from your stuff or your money. Your hope doesn't come from anything else but God. And it's one thing to get really, really busy doing things for God. And it's another thing just to be alone with God. And I need to say that again. It's one thing to be very busy doing things for God and another thing learning how to be alone with God. Because God says to us, I just want to spend time with you. And I want to share with you some a habit that's been really important in my life. I've mentioned this before. It's been a couple years. I think it's time to bring it up again and just say, because I want this for you. In order for you to learn to be alone with God, to encourage yourself in God, it can't just be happening on Sunday morning here that you have to be getting in God's word. And I know for some of you who are maybe newer to the Bible, it can be overwhelming because you have a big book in front of you going, I don't even know where to start. And there's great tools out there for you in, in, the, in Bible.com or on a version app or a, a one-year Bible where you just have a, t- a certain amount of text that you go through each day. It doesn't have to be a lot. You know, we're getting ready to go through the book of Ruth in just a couple weeks. Maybe that's a good place you can, you can start. But it's taking maybe a chapter a day or a couple chapters a day. And then when you bring and you open up, your, up, open up the Bible is that you bring your soap with you. And what I mean by that is you bring a notebook or a journal or your own book of Psalms, you know, you're going to be writing, and you write down S-O-A-P. And as you go through your building or your reading plan, the first thing you do is you go to, a, you go to Scripture. And you allow one verse to really hit you over the head that God's going to really showcase for you that day. And sometimes it does hit you over the head. Sometimes you've got to dig a little deeper. O stands for observation. What is God saying to you here? Not what do you think it's saying. What is God saying through you, uh, through, to you in this time? And the next one is to apply it. It's to make application of it. Last week we were talking about uh, times in conflict. And there was a lady who sent me an email this week and said, Matt, I heard the message last week. God was, was, was written for me. God said you know, that, about not letting the sun go down on your anger and going to that person privately. There's two people that I'm in conflict with right now, and I went to them both this week. I was the agent of peace and healing. And you know what happened in both situations? We left with forgiveness. That's, that's, that's what's going to happen. That's what God wanted. And because of that, both of you are leaving that conversation more like Christ because you allowed him to work in that conversation. That's application of Scripture. What are you going to do with it? And the last one is prayer. And not just placing your order, but pouring out your heart. God has so much he wants to share with you. He, so much he wants to spend time with you. But we've got to make time to be alone with God and, be, and learn that. It doesn't happen overnight. It's this habit that you have to develop on your own. Because he is that for me. He is now, because I have that habit in my life, God has become not an imaginary friend that is like a Wilson the volleyball, but he's become my best friend who is always there, always cares, even in those times when I don't, even, I don't know where he's at. I trust him. I know that he is And God says, if you will seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. It's a promise from God. 
And there's times, we seek out times of intentionality, being alone with God. Then the times that we're, we're with no one, we know that he is always there. Here's the next steps for today for all of us. Number one is we need to choose to be with God. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, never said, you know what, I'm done living for me, I'm going to live for him, I've tried it my way long enough, I'm going to go with him. Be baptized into him. This is what the Bible says, that we can know that we are with God because we are unified with Jesus through baptism. The Bible says that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, that we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. That when we are baptized, when we go under the water, that we are being buried. Our old self, that Matt Mahaffey no longer lives for me, that that self is done. He is buried and underground. And then when you come out of the water, you are raised to a new life, that you are living as Christ, that you are living for him. and You are with him. Have you made that decision for yourself? You have an opportunity in just a few moments. Or tonight, Discovery Class 5 to 7, we're going to talk about your decision or how to become a follower of Christ. You can get a a more fuller explanation, get your questions answered tonight. We encourage you to come. Your next step is to say, I choose to be with the church. To be with the people of God going, following after Jesus together. First service today, Many of us saw Chuck Moorhead, who came today for the first time since he's discovered his wife has cancer. And he is well-loved in this community, that family. And Chuck came forward, and we prayed with him after service. And I've been in the hospital room with them a couple times. And how they've said how they don't know how they would be going through the ordeal that they are going through right now if it wasn't for God, but also if it wasn't for the church. And I want that for every one of you. If you're still not connected to a church family, that you would be connected here and that we could walk together through life because God's designed us for that. And then also the last thing, that you would be connected to a NT group, that you would get in a group. Because in in a church of our size, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle. And we want you to get connected with people who are going through life with you and can be praying for you and celebrating when things are good and being with each other. Uh, and that's a very, very important step in our process here at North Terrace. And I, I'm in an NT group, and it's one of my most important and looking forward to things every single week. So we encourage you to get in that step as well. So today I'm really asking you to make a step somewhere. Whether it's your first step in following Christ or the decision to follow, to be a part of the church or to be part of an NT group and to get into the word. Maybe that's your decision today is you haven't touched your Bible in a week, a month, a year, whenever or never. You allow God to speak to you when you are being alone with him. He's always there. He always cares. He's with you. Would you stand as we sing our decision song today? I am not alone 